Welcome to Recloseted Radio, the top-rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing sustainable apparel company, or looking to make a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and each week I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Recloseted Radio. I am really excited for today's episode because we are in for a treat. I have finally brought on Richard, who is my partner slash boyfriend, and we're going to talk all about corporate social responsibility today. And he has an engineering background, which you will hear more about later. But I'm excited to talk about how his work in the field can really apply to sustainable fashion. So without any further ado, welcome, Richard. Hey, everyone. And hey, Selena. Thanks so much for having me on this podcast. As Selena mentioned, my background's in engineering. And I think for some of you out there, you're probably like, well, what is a, what is a like in my case, a civil engineer who knows everything about sidewalks and roads? What does he have to offer about sustainability? But I've really dedicated my career goals in the pursuit of developing sustainable communities. And that has led me on a path to move towards corporate social responsibility as well, recognizing that sustainability is more than just engineering. It's also business. It's the principles at play. So yeah, I've been I've been doing corporate social responsibility for almost three years or no, beyond three years now. Um, and I've done quite a bit of work on it and I'm looking forward to sharing some of my insights with you guys. Awesome. Thanks for that intro, Richard. And you already talked about your background a little bit, but let's go more in depth. So can you tell us more about your education and your career and all that stuff? Absolutely. So I am originally from Calgary, Alberta. I started off with a civil engineering degree, and that's, that was my undergrad, and I specialized in energy and environment. Early on, I knew that I was interested in sustainability, but I just didn't really know where I want to divert my focuses on, recognizing that sustainability is such a broad field. But I ultimately dedicated it towards developing better and more sustainable communities. So yeah, a lot of my engineering background has been focused on obtaining a full suite of technical skills when it comes to developing our cities in a sustainable way. So I've worked on contaminated sites and remediation, essentially working on making sure that places are healthy for both humans and the environment to prosper. I've worked on traffic impact assessments and traffic engineering, essentially looking at how roads and the like can be congested from a certain development. So essentially recognizing how they can impact the broader community at play. And as well, I've moved into land development and municipal engineering, which is essentially learning how to engineer certain plots of land as well as municipal infrastructure projects. My work has brought me kind of around the world. I've worked in Calgary. I've worked in London, uh, not the cool one, London, Ontario. Sorry for all the people in Ontario there. Toronto, Budapest. I've also studied a little bit in Japan and then the Arctic, Yellowknife, and then finally residing in Vancouver. So it's been really cool seeing what certain geographies and cities, uh, the challenges they face when it comes to sustainability. 
I also did a lot of corporate social responsibility work. And currently, I work at Ram Consulting as a project manager. So I provide project management services to large-scale infrastructure projects that they have. Cool. So thanks for that intro. And we're going to dig more into all of your work in a second. But before we get into it, I did want to set the groundwork and really talk about what sustainability means to you. And I know off the microphone, like just between us, we've had this discussion before and it's been really, really great. So I wanted to bring it to this podcast too. So Richard, what does the word sustainability mean to you? That is a loaded question because <laughs> there's a lot that sustainability brings to the table for me personally. I want to start off by just recognizing that sustainability, there is no universally accepted definition for it. I think the one that most people know about is the one in the Brundtland Commission that was in 1987 that really defined sustainability as meeting the needs of the present generation without compromising the future generation's ability to do so. That's kind of like the trademark sustainability definition that came in into play in 1987 and then continued on for many decades. But now, currently, the definition of sustainability has very, very subtly transitioned into something that focuses less on intergenerational needs and a little bit more about a holistic approach that links economic development, social inclusion, and environmental sustainability. Essentially, it's looking at systems thinking and looking at things more holistically. The thing with economic development, social inclusion, and environmental sustainability is that these are very, very broad and complicated concepts. So on a personal level, everyone's understanding of how sustainability can be implemented and thereby their definition, it's very different person to person. I see it as two things. It's a really greatly ethical objective that everyone in the world really kind of needs to unite themselves upon and strive towards a collective goal that is sustainable development. It's really something that is very values driven. I think if you talk to certain people there and you tell them like, what does sustainability mean to you? Um, a lot of them will start talking about their values and how sustainability is directly as part of their value system. And I think a big part of that is because sustainability in itself is really at the end of the day about balance. And the thing that's kind of interesting here is that when you think about the Aristotelian philosophy, which is the golden means. Essentially, think of your Goldilocks here. Everything can't be too hot and it can't be too cold. It has to be just right. So it's kind of like the, it's like the virtue ethics here. And I think sustainability for me in that case is, yeah, it ties in really well with that balance value. The other thing for sustainability and the second part of why I think it's like it resonates with me is that it's super complicated. It's really complex science that's coming into play here. It's more than just having values. It's really understanding the strategy behind how do we actually execute sustainability in our modern day society. You can come at it from a value lens, and that's really what's propelling you to make the decisions that you're making. But without the science, you don't really have the strategy in hand. And for me, being in an engineering background, my interests are really about problem solving and sustainability. When you're looking at like the word sustainable development, it includes so many things. It includes like economics, it includes politics geographies, social justice. It's so cross-cutting and it's so broad. 
And that's a thing that really excites me because you can't really tackle sustainability issues in a silo without uh, looking at the bigger picture here. For me, I think I resonate a lot with sustainability because it's, it's probably the most complex science or strategy out there as I see it. But it's all propelled by this greater ethical passion and purpose behind it. And I think that's really what a lot of science today misses. So I think the way that I would define sustainability is that it's using science and ethics to improve people on the planet. You can't really have one or the other when it comes to sustainability. You can't just have science because at that point you kind of lack the vision and the unifying purpose. And you can't really just have ethics because then at that point you don't fully understand kind of the strategy behind how does this actually come into play into the real world. So yeah, that's how I would define sustainability. Yeah, I completely agree with you that it is one of the most complex problems I think we face today as a human race. And we need to try to figure out how we're going to make enough for future generations, but also not sacrifice our current means of living. And on that note, though, do you think your definition of sustainability changes when it's applied to corporate sustainability? Because in a lot of corporations, it's very much so like profit first, we can't measure the impacts of the environment, so that doesn't matter. Uh, so in your work with CSR, I'm just wondering if that definition changes or do you think it also transcends and applies? I would like to think that for corporate social responsibility, kind of the parallel to this is corporate sustainability. You could argue that they're one and the same, and that's at least as how I perceive it because they're very much the same thing. The principles of corporate sustainability is the same as how I define my sustainability definition. It's using science and ethics to improve people and the planet. The difference is the application for sustainability in this sense is tailored towards the business world. For example, if you're applying sustainability to cities, the way that you would do that would be very different from the strategy perspective when it comes to business. Likewise, you could say the same when it comes to having a sustainable lifestyle. You would have very different uh, strategies at hand for that. And therefore, say that the principles stay the same, but the execution of it would be different. You can really Google this definition too. There's, there's really, again, no unifying definition for corporate sustainability, but I would probably define it as a business approach that's holistic and evaluates the success of a business in more ways than just profit. It's essentially looking at how businesses can really drive their bottom line. And their bottom line in this case is more than just profit. It could be defined as, I'm just being general here, but people planet profit. It could be considering their impact to the environment as part of their bottom line. But at the end of the day, it's really looking at things outside of just profit. Yeah, that makes sense. And the same thing applies, right? Because this is a sustainable fashion podcast, but the same thing applies to fashion too. Like you can apply different strategies like materials and, you know, textile waste and how you're going to deal with that. But taking a step back, let's go back to why corporate sustainability is important because I think that's a good discussion to have as well because I feel like there's so many different issues in the world. So why do we think that this is necessary for corporations to focus on? At the end of the day, like corporate sustainability is an emerging trend. It's something that gained recent traction, I would say, uh, in the last couple of decades, but it really exploded in 2008 during the financial crash. 
and I'll get more into that later. Traditionally, I think there's a lot of expectations that sustainability when it comes to the implementation needs to be provided and driven on a governmental level, essentially by the regulators. That was probably the traditional approach whereby the public and businesses, they expected that the government essentially had their stuff together and could make decisions and regulations that would ensure a sustainable future for society and into the future. That isn't realistic anymore, unfortunately. And a big part of that is just because the scales have tipped. When we look at some businesses, especially multinational businesses, they have more economic wealth and therefore power than a lot of countries in the world. Just to give you an example, Apple has, I think, like a a value of $2 trillion. That's just on par with the Canadian GDP, (laughs) which is insane. And then you look at, you know, like what the GDP of Africa is, like $2 trillion for Apple. And I think in Africa, it's like $2.6 trillion as well. It's kind of insane how these businesses have just as much power, if not more, than governmental institutions. So then the question is asked, can governments really have the power to steer sustainability for society? The challenge with it is that if a country or if a government institutions, they over-regulate the business and they require them to have more and more sustainability, or they require the public to have more and more sustainability, People start, especially in a free market society, they tend to start to move to different places where they can do business easier. And we've seen that a lot with multinational companies. That's why they have tax havens and they've moved their assets offshore. Sustainability is, again, a very complex problem. It's not really something that governments can achieve in isolation. It really needs to happen on an international level when it comes to universal regulation. But that is a far cry from our present day reality at the moment. And as a result, there's this kind of emphasis that businesses themselves need to be independently sustainable in the way that they provide more than just economic sustainability for themselves, but they attribute their impacts towards more global and local sustainable development agendas. That's really why corporate sustainability is important. It's because governments don't have the full power to do and create a sustainable world without the help of businesses. And then I can also go on a tangent here, but I'm not, but also without the help of the public. This is really a humanitarian or human challenge. And it's not something that we can just pinpoint and say, okay, governments are, they're supposed to be doing this. There's a lot of debate into like what the role of a business is and what the responsibility of a business in our modern day society is. I like to think that that role is shifting and it's shifting as a result of some very necessary measures. We can't have full unfettered capitalism in our, in our world today. We're just going to start to well, I think everyone knows this. It's just not sustainable. So in that case, you do need to have some sort of level of cooperation from all players involved in order to achieve sustainable development. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And in discussions with other people in the industry and just other professionals as well, we always get into this debate about what role everyone has to play. And I agree in a sense that government has a role and they can't be the only players. But 
I mean, it's easy to point fingers, of course, but I would think that, you know, some governments in some cities may need to raise the bar a little bit. And then to your point, businesses independently also need to really take control of their situation and their business activities and think about the future as well, which is not always easy, especially if you're public. But I do think that businesses have that responsibility. And then speaking of everyday people and the public, like I think that's a really good point as well because consumers often in large groups also have a big sway because, you know, we can tell businesses this is what we want and this is where the money's at. And sometimes we can have a lot of sway by voting with our dollar, which I talk about a lot on this podcast. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's a, it's a three kind of pronged approach, like governments have to do their part companies need to do their part and then so do consumers so i think you went at that at a really good way and it just again highlights how important it is to have a corporate responsibility plan and some sort of plan around what you can do as a company yeah and just one more thing i want to add to that i think what i just described is pretty high level and it can be kind of hard to understand what that might look like on a on the ground level as a business owner or as an employee the way that i would put it is that corporate sustainability is really just an opportunity for businesses to find a meaning and a purpose beyond just profit it's essentially looking at a triple bottom line or other factors beyond just profit to to know that your business is doing good Yeah, totally. Like for one of my clients I'm working with right now, they're really into water. For the materials they use, they try to use things that don't use a lot of water because for folks that don't know, cotton takes so much water to make. So they're trying to avoid cotton. And then also for dyes, they're trying to do a lot of naturally dyed products because in a lot of clothes, the dyes actually go into the rivers and it really harms the local economy in terms of their water usage and things like that. So for them, like they're trying to obviously make a profit and make a living, but also do right by the water usage and things like that. So that's just an example. Putting it more into practical terms, if you will, I would love for you to share with everyone about the last corporate sustainability project you did and what that entailed, because I think it was really, really interesting, at least when you were telling me about it. And so I would love for you to share with the listeners. Yeah, so the last corporate sustainability project that I worked on was actually a multi-year project. And it was about the United Nations Global Compact. For those of you that don't know, the United Nations Global Compact is the world's largest corporate sustainability initiative. And essentially, they put together 10 principles um, that businesses need to abide by. So these can come from things such as corruption, for consideration of the environment, for appropriate governance and other things like labor, like not having child labor is a principle. They have 10 principles, and then also they do have a call to action for companies to pursue impact towards global social agendas. So the project that I undertook at the previous firm that I worked at, it was about getting commitment from the firm to commit to the United Nations Global Compact. So essentially aligning itself with a more universal purpose beyond just its local intentions. That was a really exciting project because in 2015, the United Nations released the Sustainable Development Goals. 
I joined this firm in 2017 and being a, a new grad, relatively new grad, I was bringing in kind of fresh perspective to the industry. So when I started espousing that companies needed to be more uh, sustainable and I started bringing up the United Nations and the Sustainable Development Goals, it wasn't really part of anyone's lexicon, to be quite frank. Um, I would kind of talk about these these things and people would kind of look at me and they were like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I could see like they didn't really know what I was talking about. That was challenging. But at the end of the day, the project really aimed to bring awareness towards the overall company for what corporate sustainability meant and what the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals were and how the company itself could align itself with these more universal practices. Okay, so it sounds like this wasn't something led by the company and you just got tasked to do. And I know this from our previous discussions, but I know that you really felt passionately about this and you really wanted to spearhead it. So can you tell us a little bit more about that process and what that was like? Yeah, so just to be clear, this was not a company initiative. They did not tell me what, like, that I needed to pursue this project. This was very much a self-led initiative. I was passionate about sustainability. I was passionate about um, the sustainable development goals. And previously to this, I had done a lot of international development work. So I knew I was interested in the UN as well. So I basically married all of these components into this self-led initiative of committing our company to the United Nations Global Compact. The process to implement this was, like I said, multi-year. A big part of it was just getting buy-in from the right people. I worked at a pretty large firm, medium size, around 800 people. It was challenging trying to bring this message up to senior leadership. And the reason why it needed to even go to senior leadership in the first place is because corporate sustainability, if you really want a firm to be sustainable in the way that it looks at impact beyond just profit, you have to bring that up to the people who are making those decisions. So yeah, that would typically go to senior leadership. And as someone that was like a new grad and just started the company, it was kind of challenging to get some sort of influence to inform them. What I ended up doing is I actually talked to others within the company that I thought would champion this cause. Essentially, I talked to, to partners at the firm and others like peers, colleagues, and I just talked about the initiative and what they thought about it. And then I generally just got like some sort of buy-in or rather I just got more confidence that this was like an appropriate solution to bring into the firm. And then I started building up a business case for it. So I would talk to the partners, I'd say like, okay, what are your thoughts? What are your honest thoughts? Do you think this is a good idea? If not, like what gaps are there that I need to close in on and to make this a convincing case that we can present to the CEO and president? So they worked with me and outlined quite a few like gaps in it. Like what are the costs? Uh, what are the legal implications? All the sort. And I did all the research. It took me honestly a couple months. And then I presented it to them. And then when they gave the green light, I presented it to a senior management. And then when that got the green light again, I then presented it to senior leadership, which was the CEO. That whole process, again, took <laughs> quite a long time. And again, a big part of it is just because, quite frankly, I don't think they fully knew what the sustainable development goals were. 
And when I started talking about the United Nations, I think there was this disconnect. Like, what does the United Nations have to do with us? It seemed probably weird to them. Like, I was bringing this up. I was the first one to really bring it up to the company. So that's really what kind of dragged on that process. But I'm really glad that at the end of the day, the CEO committed to it. They wrote a commitment letter to the UN Global Compact. And yeah, now we're making meaningful strides as a company to meet those goals. And just to take a quick step back, if you don't know what the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs are, don't worry, you can go back to episode 44 of Recloseted Radio where I interviewed Carrie and we went really in-depth about it. But just to break down what Richard said, because I do think a lot of other people are in a similar situation where maybe they work for a bigger corporation or a public company and you might be the only one or you might feel like you're the only one that cares about sustainability. So if we just break down what Richard did, he had this idea, right? And then he talked to his peers, he talked to his colleagues, he basically kind of got his own little sustainability team behind him. He got feedback as to what the objections might be. He got feedback as to the implications of it and also how to make it executionable. And then he started presenting upwards to senior management and senior leadership. And it's not going to happen overnight, right? To Richard's point, like this took him, it took you about like about a year-ish, right? Yeah, like a year and a half. So this takes time and it doesn't happen overnight, but I think it is really important to go about it in a way that Richard did, because I know sometimes getting that buy-in can be really tough. So assessing out what the costs are going to be because it's a business at the end of the day. And then also if you can put into perspective what the benefits for the company will be as well, even if you can't quantify it, I think that would be really helpful as well. And I know you already talked a lot about how to champion sustainability in a corporation where maybe they're not as aware of what's going on, but do you have any top-ups for buy-in or any other tips you'd like to mention? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually kind of alluded to this earlier. When it comes to getting buy-in for sustainability, again, remember that it's two things. It's an ethical objective, but it's also a science and there is some strategy behind it. When it comes to corporate sustainability and you need to get buy-in from senior leadership, you have to understand that at a C-suite level, just talking about your values, what you want in the company with no data behind it is really challenging for them to accept it. And maybe that's just because I worked in an engineering firm, but they wanted something more quantitative. They wanted something more rational. So I really had to build two things, kind of a story that emphasized why this was a good objective to take on from an ethical perspective, from a values perspective. But then behind that, I backed it up with data research and corporate sustainability trends in the industry research that I had done to really understand that this was something that people wanted and are expecting. So yeah, like I think, I think it's important to come from it from two directions. Again, like the coming at it from a values perspective and then also the rationality behind it and how that really impacts the business's bottom line. There is also the reality that your business or your corporate uh, leadership may just not be interested in corporate sustainability in the way that uh, you want. And that's, to be honest, just 
the reality of the situation. When I was talking to the president of my company and just trying to get an understanding of how they managed values in the company, they put it in a really interesting way to me in that a business has either explicit or implicit values that you learn on the job or you can see, yeah, just through how the way the culture and the people interact. The thing is, not all cultures are meant for everyone and there's going to be a certain level, a continuum of how well you'll fit into the company. When it comes to sustainability in itself, again, recognizing that everyone has different definitions of sustainability, it can be really challenging. And as a firm, you almost have to define what sustainability means to the firm. And then over time, people's values, if they align with that definition, um, to like, let's say 70%, they, f- they agree with it. And that's kind of the threshold in which they'll stay with the company, then that's fine. But then there's also going to be people who don't resonate with that definition at all. And they'll end up leaving that company. You might just be, unfortunately, one of the ones that don't fit in. If you're working at a company that doesn't meet your values, you may decide to leave. Or if you think that this company is like they partially uh, represent your values or they fully identify with your values, then you might actually choose to stay because it's above your minimum threshold. Now, when it comes to you coming up with your initiatives, and again, if the leadership doesn't like it, you might just have to accept that that's just the way the company is. Through that, though, in that case, you can still do things at a more local level. The reality is, by and large, most people care about sustainability. If you go to anyone on the street and you're asking them, like, okay, do you care about sustainability? Chances are they're going to give you an answer ranging from yeah, it doesn't really matter to me to like, oh, it's super important to me, but you're probably not going to meet someone who's going to say, no, I hate sustainability. And if you do, you probably don't really want to be with that person. It's kind of it's kind of weird to say that. Everyone knows that sustainability is important. And to you, that means that you probably should have more confidence in yourself when it comes to bringing on sustainability initiatives at a more local level and getting buy-in from your coworkers because chances are they probably care about it too to a ex- certain extent. So you can make a difference in your company in the way that you could set up volunteering events. You know another friend of mine who's also bringing on uh, composting to their office to reduce the waste. Yeah, like I would challenge you to find other ways in which you can really bring sustainability at a local level if you don't really have the time or energy or um, or if you don't think that the leadership team in your company will follow your, your thoughts. You know, I think everyone does care about sustainability to a certain level. And then when we apply it from a business perspective, you know, we talked about how businesses also have a responsibility in today's day and age. But in situations when businesses are public and they have shareholders to, you know, account for and profit is really important to them, how do you really stress that importance of sustainability because the costs of it aren't super tangible and most of the benefits are future-oriented, right? So for companies that are really focused in the now and like, oh, this quarter we need quarter over quarter and year over year growth, like how can you really communicate the benefits and stress the importance of it 
to think about the environment and care about sustainability. So I think I want to flip that on its head. First off, I think profit and corporate sustainability, such as the environment, are not mutually exclusive anymore. I think at some point they probably, I think the way that businesses approached it was that they were. Businesses really only need to focus on the profit and who cares about the environment. If a business does not focus on the environment whatsoever, they're probably going to lose a profit. And the driver behind this really comes from the stakeholders. That comes from consumers such as me and yourself. I'm going to bring up something I mentioned earlier, which was the 2008 financial crash, which in my opinion was really kind of the thing that created a paradigm shift in consumers. I think everyone knows that in 2008, the world experienced a recession on an international level. And it was really driven by, and you could call it like the greed of Wall Street and and bankers. But essentially, they were extremely profit-driven, but it led to a social and economic collapse for everyone else. A lot of people ended up demanding that companies operate more responsibly, demanding that they care about other things, such as society, such as environment. Now that we're in 2020, in our present day and age, That trend has continued to increase. People and consumers continue to care more and more about sustainability. And the reason behind that is just, um, yeah, everyone knows that it's an increasingly important issue and it's not really going away. It's staring us right in the face and we're (laughs) we're going to battle climate change whether we like it or not, and we currently are. I mean, you could see it with like, let's say a company like Zara, in the past, like I don't, I, I don't think they're considered like a sustainable fashion brand. Please don't sue me. But I don't consider, I don't consider them a sustainable fashion brand. And I think they got away with it for a while. But like, let's just look at consumer attitudes now. You'll see people here that care about sustainable fashion. They care about living wages. They care about the environment. And as a result, they're going to take their business elsewhere. And that's going to result in a loss towards uh, Zara's business model. If you want to think of it on the extreme end, like imagine a company like Zara that suddenly rebranded its entire strategy so that it truly is a sustainable company. Would you want to shop there? Would you feel like it's okay to shop there compared to you shopping there now? Chances are you probably would be a little bit more inclined. So... What I'm getting at is that corporate sustainability and profit are one and the same. Like in this present day and age, you really need to have some level of corporate responsibility in order for you to continue to make a profit in the long term. And just one more thing I want to add, McKinsey and company, they did a study and they actually interviewed um, CFOs, investment professionals and corporate social responsibility professionals in which ways environmental, social, and or governance programs improve a company's financial performance. They all responded that the leading factor behind why firms should pursue CSR is to maintain a good corporate reputation and or brand equity. Which, to be honest, isn't really the answer I was hoping for. I thought I was hoping it'd be more like something like, oh, it matches our values. But the reality is, is that they're just they're trying to meet a certain brand reputation so that consumers won't leave and that's that's really the 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 driver behind that 
Yeah, I do agree with you. And I think that we are shifting more to a situation where the profit and also the sustainability both really, really matter and consumers vote with their dollars like I just talked about. So yeah, and don't worry, I don't think Zara is going to sue you. They're probably going to sue me first. So (laughs) they're going to come for me first before you. And switching gears a little bit, but I often do think in this space the measurement and the metrics are another hot topic. So what do you think are the best ways to be able to measure a company's sustainability progress and their impact? And what standards should even be used? I'm going to start off and I don't (laughs) think a lot of you will dislike me for saying this. There is no one size fit all solution for this. You can't measure a Zara to an H&M to Patagonia using the exact same company sustainability metrics. They're just going to be completely different. And you could probably guess why. They're just fighting and, and battling an entirely different climate than their competitors. And that same mentality can be dropped down to you as a business owner and the way that your business functions. You can't really use, again different company metrics for your own, although you can certainly use them as a guideline or a benchmark, but ultimately you need to come with your own. One way you could really do this is get an understanding of how you can move the bottom line for your company when it comes to sustainability. To measure that, you really have to get an understanding of who the players are in your business. So I would do probably an external an internal survey or a search to really understand what matters most to your clients, to your employees, to the public. I would really just try to get an understanding of that and then measure your company's impact towards those. Because if let's say you're a sustainable fashion owner and you're measuring and you've dedicated one of your sustainability metrics to textile waste, but you're operating in a business environment where neither your consumers or your employees or even yourself don't really care about it, chances are you're probably not going to push that bottom line as much as you want to. You may want to look more into other things like ethical labor or other metrics, but you won't really know until you really try to understand your audience. There's things you can perform, such as a materiality survey, which is, again, what I'm just saying here. It's just really understanding what is material or what is important to your stakeholders so that you can identify those metrics and measure your company's progress towards that. At the end of the day, it's really about making an impact. And you really first need to understand what impact it is you're making. And that should form your company's uh, sustainability metrics. Yeah, I think every company will focus on different things. And depending on what you focus on, you're going to be tracking the measurements and the results from that accordingly. And to be a little bit more tangible for sustainable fashion owners, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about this before, but the HIG index is a really good resource for people to use. Like it's one where you answer a bunch of questions and then you get a report and you get a score. And granted, it does take a lot of time. And usually it's better for more established brands because you have all of the time and the resources to dedicate to something like that. 
But then even if you work with a company such as Green Story, and we've had a kill on the podcast before, like you can give them all of your information, like your materials and your production partners and your shipping routes and all that stuff. And they will calculate for you the impact from your company, even something like that. And maybe you do a yearly report or a, a report every other year and you can track your progress. Like I think to Richard's point, depending on what you decide to choose, you can track those certain things and you know everything will have different metrics. So yeah, I think that was great. And then we talked a little bit about the United Nation SDGs. And I did mention that I talk about it way more in depth with Carrie in episode 44. But knowing that you worked with the SDGs, Richard, what do you think are some ways companies can leverage the SDGs for their business? Yeah, great question. I remember I thought about that question in the past and I was like, how can we be more impactful to the SDGs? And I thought it was like a yes or no, like you're either impactful to it or you're not. And the reality is, is that there is a continuum of how you can engage with the sustainable development goals. You could either on the left side have no activity on the SDGs. It does not influence your business at all. And you could completely operate as if it never existed. Or on the extreme right side, you could operate as if these SDGs really form your company's purpose. So you could literally form, let's say, a startup um, because you're so compelled by SDG number 12, which is about responsible consumption and production. You read up on it and it propels you. You want to make an impact on it. So you form a business that's entire model is about, um, yeah, uh, managing zero waste and and bringing on responsible labor to do the production and that sort of stuff. And that is your business model. So that that's kind of the extreme ends. A lot of businesses, they tend to operate in the middle portion of it. So what that means and what that looks like is that they can inform their staff of what the SDGs are and they can generally make very, very subtle and almost ad hoc impacts towards the SDGs. That That's probably what the most common method is um, because for, let's say, a company like Google, they start off with no consideration of the SDGs because at that time there was no such thing as the UN SDGs. But lately, they've probably switched a little bit of their strategy, um, not fully towards advancing the SDGs, but they've probably moved their needle to incorporate some elements of the SDGs. And that's what the approach of many businesses are. That being said, as a sustainable fashion owner, you probably have more leverage, particularly if you're starting a company that's brand new. You have the opportunity to more easily align your company's business model with the SDGs. One thing I will say though is that it can be really hard to measure your progress and your impact on the SDGs. At least that's how I felt when I worked at the previous firm and I was doing the work that we were doing. It it really is hard because these are global and international issues, but you're executing them sometimes on a very, very micro level. And it's hard to see like what impact you're really making. Beyond that, there isn't really a validation system or a verification system to say, yes, this company operates in alignment with the SDGs. Yes, this company is operating in 80% alignment with the SDGs. It can be really hard to measure that impact. And as a result, as an owner or an employee, you just have to be okay that that is the reality of it. 
you need to be, I think, okay on a value level with the level of impact that you're making towards the SDG. Yeah, totally agree with you. And just being mindful of time, I just have a couple last questions for you. The first question is, do you have anything else you would like to add or share with our listeners? I think we covered a really wide range of topics today, but do you have any kind of like last words or last pieces of advice? The other thing I'll just add to that is that there's two, as I see it, two big drivers for why corporate sustainability is important. First one is that it's an opportunity for your business to align itself with more purposeful objectives rather than just profit. It's really like looking at how your business functions with respect to society outside of just financial gains. The second thing is by adopting corporate sustainability or corporate social responsibility, you really are making a deal to make sure that your business is still relevant later on. Let's just think about it this way. If your company is if it does not adopt any sustainability values or metrics into its functions and it continues to operate the way that it does today compared to five years down the road versus 10 years versus 20 years down the road the question to be asked is will your company still be relevant and chances are in our growing day and age consumer attitudes are going to change and as a result your company may not be as relevant because it does not meet the values of its consumers or the public or the regulator. Okay, and then last question, but for anyone that wants to get in touch with you or ask you any questions, what are your links or how can people contact you? I'm a bit of a boomer, so I don't really use Instagram or TikTok or whatever, so don't try to reach me on that. But (laughs) you can reach me on LinkedIn. My name is Richard Dew. The last name is a little weird here, but it's D-I-E-U. So you can find me on there. Cool. And I will put that in the show notes. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on to Recloseted Radio today. I really appreciate it. And I know people are going to get a lot out of this. You shared a lot of information today. So thank you so much. Thanks, Selena. Thanks, everyone. And that was today's episode. If you enjoyed it and you took a lot out of it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Additionally, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe because new episodes will be automatically downloaded. And it also helps us as well to continue to provide this podcast for free to you and continue to share all of these valuable resources. If you haven't already, also make sure you rate Recloseted 5 stars if you think we deserve it and write a positive review. That really helps us as well. And we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.